Hello, my friends. Katie Day with the Movement of Texas team. We are here with another episode of the Real Advice Podcast. I am excited for this week's guest, team leader, mom, wife, realtor, broker extraordinaire, all of the things. Excited to dig in with Mary Murphy of the Murphy Group out of New Jersey. What's going on, Mary? How are you? I'm excited to be here. Not much. Just uh, setting up for our Monday. So we're nice. Good. good deal. Um, so for those that may not know you, Mary, how did you get into real estate? So honestly, I kind of, the real story is I was teaching. I was teaching special needs pre-K and I was making nothing. And by the time I put two kids in daycare and drove over the bridge to Philadelphia every day, it just wasn't worth. And I was so stressed out. It was a really difficult job. Yeah. When I really ran the numbers, I was like, you know, I went to my husband who was the breadwinner at the time. My money really wasn't that important. I was, you know, I was like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So when I, I, I had to go back after maternity leave for my second kid in May, after I finished out that school year, I had made the decision I wasn't going back. So I figured I would just sell something. You know, I'd bartended before. I loved <laughs> yeah. that. I'm like, well, now I'm like, I'll just sell something and make up that thousand bucks a month or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I picked houses because they were the most expensive thing. And that was pretty much kind of how it happened. Yeah. Um, I went on to Remax.com and I clicked careers and then a recruiter called me. The next day I'm sitting down with some broker who really couldn't give me the time of day. Like he was kind of like, you know, you're probably not going to make it. <laughs> Most agents don't, you know, and you're a teacher. So if you want to join me, I can show you the way, but um, yeah. you're probably not going to make any money. You're not going to make it. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to join that guy. Great positive start. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of the first step. And um, they, he ended up actually directing me to where I went to real estate school. So he did help me. Yeah. And then he directed me to Keller Williams. He said, go get trained. Yep. And then come to Remax. So that was like my first experience. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'll do. Um, and then I did a ton of research. So I really did though. That was it. But then also like, I don't really do things halfway. I thought I was going to do it part-time. And my husband who was doing well, he had the full-time job. Well, when I finished real estate school, they eliminated his role and he okay. got laid off. So I went from this job that was going to be part-time to it actually needing to be something. Yeah. Which was okay because I was super pumped. By the time I had finished real estate school and watched every YouTube video and read every book I could find, I was ready to like kind of hit the ground running. So, you know, that was kind of that was the beginning. It's interesting that that that, that broker said that to you. Um, because one, I, I do think that it's like, you know, you do need to to give some, you know, realistic expectations. Like this is an HGTV, like, you know, yeah, obviously like homes are expensive, but like you also have to realize that homes are expensive. So like you've got to like be all in and do all the things. But like, I think teachers have some of the best background for real estate agents. Cause like you have the patience, you're able to like break things down in a, you know, really like great way and things like that. And so some of like the most successful agents I know had background in education. So, um, you know, whatever to that broker, but uh, it's funny. Cause you know, I heard a similar message a lot throughout that first year from different brokers and veteran agents yeah. and and, you know, you realize that's an older model where it cost him money to bring me on. True. So he wasn't going to bring me on, I guess, if he didn't think I would actually be worth his time. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm probably paraphrasing because I sat with him for probably, you know, an hour or 45 minutes, but yeah. that's pretty much what his message was. But um, it, yeah, it's crazy because it is a lot of work. It's not easy. Yeah. But 
I mean, I sold 37 houses that year. <laughs> You're like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's um, like, he's like not even a broker anymore. He works for like HomeSmart. I, every once in a while, I want to like reach out and let him know, but I have See no how he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to someone just starting out? You said that you did like a ton of research. You were like, you know, watching YouTube videos. You were doing your own like kind of training and stuff like that. Like if I was brand new today, just got my license and I had hung it at, you know, ABC Realty, right? Like what would you tell me to do to be successful? I would tell you to do your research. I would tell you to meet with certain people. And I can think of the mentors I mentors I had in the beginning. And I joke about those couple people who were kind of negative, but I didn't surround with myself with them. So I would yeah. really focus on who you're going to join and, and what you're looking to put into it and then know that you are putting something into it. So, um, you know, I, I researched a lot about Keller Williams. He was the yeah. one who mentioned it to me. I had never heard of them. So this is 2015. Okay. I'd never heard of them. Oh, uh, no, it's 2014 because I got licensed in 15 then, yeah, before okay. I got licensed. So um, they had just opened that office in that town that I went and joined. So, yeah, I would just say do your research and be willing to take control of your education. No one cares if you make it or make it in this industry, unfortunately. It's all up to you until you find people who then want to help you. And there's so many of us, you know, so that was really it. And I... I just started coaching and training right away. And yeah. I actually joined a team. I okay. did. I joined a team after six weeks. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, um, I mean, so you got in, you got, you had the conversations in 14, you got licensed in 15, and then you started your team in 2018, right? So that was a pretty quick, you know, pathway. So started, I joined teams right? first. Okay. And I think that, you know, coming from being a teacher or maybe just being really self-aware, yeah. And reflective, I, I realized when I really got to learn this real estate career and knowing how successful I had to be quickly, I was like, all right, that's a lot of stuff to learn. Yeah. Right. That's a lot to do. That's a lot to learn. That's a lot of hats. So how can I just learn the language of sales? How can I just learn how to convert? How can I have opportunities? And then yeah. not worry about contracts, not worry about all that, not even not worry about it, but not, I didn't think I could learn this whole thing all at once. Yeah. And I was right. So I started looking for teams and I started, I was the first one in the office every day. So I really was, the broker would walk in after me <laughs> and um, I took bold. If you guys don't know what bold is, that's like this boot camp type class, two weeks license. I'm in this room and they're like, okay, this is what you do. You prospect in the morning, yeah. appointments are in the afternoon, follow up is after that. I didn't know the bad habits. I literally thought everyone did it that way. And then you get further and further into real estate. You're like, no one does this, but like, this is the stuff you need to do to be successful. Right. So my ignorance was actually a huge part of my success because I really thought, I didn't even think houses were open in the morning. Like, I didn't know you could show houses in the morning. Like you had to prospect (laughs) in the morning. So like, I was so scheduled and I joined a team and that's what I did. And so I could convert everything. Um, I worked really hard on scripts. I woke up, I role-played. I mean, I did my miracle morning. I role-played. I um, I prospected. I tracked my contacts. I tracked my appointments. I did buyer consultations. In fact, out of those 37 homes, all of them had signed a buyer agency agreement. That's pretty, another pretty thing that not everybody does, right? So I had done the buyer consultation. And maybe not all of them. I think maybe there was one or two that bought at the open house I was at. Yeah, Mary. Only one or two. Terrible. <laughs> I know. They, they probably bought the house I, they met me at. 
right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, like they were pre-approved. They had done yeah. a needs analysis or buyer consultation. Yeah. They had signed that buyer agency agreement and they were ready to buy right now. I was really strict. Apparently. Um, apparently. I love it. I didn't know that you couldn't be. So I will just say that that's the tip that I would do is really understand your time and who you're going to spend your time with. Yeah. That's really tough as a new agent as well, right? Like I feel like um, shady investors and like weird buyers have like a radar for brand new agents, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I always try to tell my team this because they're like, oh, I got this hot new lead. And they like start telling me about it. And I'm like, I think this is a scam, you know? Um, So it's like, well, you've got to test them a little bit and ask these questions and like dig deeper and do a consult. And if they're not willing to do that, like, is this really, you know, more, uh, you know, someone that you want to be working with or not? But um, And the luck I think I had was also that I needed it to work. I had done enough training in the beginning that I thought that I, I mean, not that I I had learned a framework for how to do it, but I also had babies at home. Yeah. You know, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So I really was very, I had to be very strategic with my time. I couldn't waste it. Um, Okay. So you mentioned like, obviously the morning routine. I just heard the bell ring out there. That means someone to set an appointment. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, So, okay. (laughs) Morning routine um, and um, like just getting into a specific kind of flow and stuff like that. Um, And you also mentioned finding a team. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in finding a team, like in similar in finding a brokerage, like as a brand new agent, um, everyone is kind of selling you. They're like, we're the best. We have the best training. You know, we have mentors. We do this. We do that. Like we have the like we have low fees or we have this or we have whatever. Right. And like everyone makes their brokerage seem like it's just like the best. Um, and teams do it too. How -hmm. would you recommend, or what would you recommend people do to really test like that culture or test that team or like, cause it's, it's not every team's for everyone, right? Like someone's going to could interview with you and me and like, they may like both of us, they may not, but like, you know, they would go with one or the other, right? Like how can you find the right team for you? Like what's, I think the first step is really spending a little time with yourself and figuring out what it is that you're looking for and what you're willing to commit to. So I think when you really understand what your what is your vision for the perfect life? What yeah. will it look like a year from now, two years, three years from now? And that sounds so big, especially as a new agent, because yeah. real estate is like, I mean, they don't even know splits and commission and and online leads and database, all of that is like speaking another language in the beginning. You know, I remember one of my first meetings and them talking to me about farming and like sitting there the entire time thinking they were talking about like watering plants. Like I didn't know what the hell. Same. I'm like, I'm like, I don't really want to do farms. I don't. (laughs) I was like sitting there like, yeah, like I don't want to sell farms. We don't even have that many farms. Like, So like, but understanding like what it is that you're looking for, right? So when I started to interview teams and I did interview them, well, the lucky thing was, which I keep saying lucky, but I guess it really wasn't all luck. I was there, I was in there early and I was spending a lot of time there and I was willing to pick up the phone because I was told that's what I was supposed to do. So the team started seeking me out, right? They see, they see some new agent they had never seen before and she's in there first and she's standing up and she's making phone calls and people were giving me all their garbage rental leads and I was calling them all and converting yeah. them. So that was like, I started to have teams reach out to me and then yeah. I just started interviewing them. So for, it, it just depends on what you're looking for. The team that I chose showed me a leadership path. Okay. 
And I guess that was attractive to me. And it was like, you're going to have opportunities. We have all the back end support. And a lot of teams are not organized. They're just a bunch of people. They're a bunch of salespeople who kind of got together and now they're like calling themselves a team, but they never made a plan around it. For sure. So that was kind of how it happened. This team happened to have some somewhat of an organization. They were coached. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're still, it was two partners. They're separated now, but they're two still top agents. Yeah. So they were in alignment with me. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that's difficult because I feel like every new agent, like the goal is like, well, I want to make six figures. Like I want to make a hundred thousand dollars and I want to sell houses. And like, you know, it's like really breaking down and kind of digging in deeper on that. Like, of like, well, you know, does that cover your bills? How much money do you have saved? Like, what are, what would you do with that money? And like really figuring out like kind of what their priorities and stuff like that are. Um, and then helping them understand that it doesn't happen right away. Cause they all say it's funny because <laughs> Jeremiah just, and I just talked about this like the other day and I was like, everyone always says a hundred thousand. Yeah. That's the number. That was the number that I said. Oh yeah. And I was embarrassed to say it and I hit it and it wasn't <laughs> even a full year. Yeah. Right. So, and I hit that on a team split right? Paying my own cap still with Keller Williams, paying my monthly fee. So the other thing I would tell agents not to get wrapped up in is the split. Like like what is the value? What's the net going to be to you? And what value are they adding to you? Um, I still feel that way. So, but yeah. And also, it's also a large process to start selling. So the other thing I always tell about my first year was I sold four in my first six months. So I got mm-hmm. licensed in January. In fact, it was eight years yesterday. Congratulations. Happy actually, anniversary. Thank you. In January, that first six months, I sold four houses. And the second six months, I sold 33. <laughs> right. So that like first six trickle, months, trickle, was trickle, boom. <laughs> it was yeah. just pipeline, right? It was like follow up pipeline. Like that's kind of what it looked like. Have you seen that like cartoon meme of like the guy that's like, you know, going after the diamond or whatever like in the mine and like he turns around but then the other guy keeps chipping away and like then he hits the jackpot you know and that's like truly how I feel real estate is and that's where it's like you know we always ask people kind of about their finances right and like hey do you have three to six months of money saved Mm -hmm. right in order to pay your bills and what does that look like and like I don't need to see your bank account number but like I just need to make sure that you know that like you know even if you put something under contract today, it's not closing tomorrow, you know? Right. So it's uh, it's definitely a long game in that setting up your pipeline and talking to your people and, you know, doing open houses and making your calls, you know, all happens in that first couple months. And that's the hard part with real estate too, is that there is no instant gratification. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. all building the pipeline because then also once you get those houses under contract, like, you know, and you start to have things closed, like you still need to eat three months from now. <laughs> So you have to yeah. like, you have to keep, it never ends. It's a never yeah. ending cycle. You can't keep, take your foot off the gas. Um, and that's a learned skill. And it's, you don't really feel it. I don't think until you're really in it. Well, that's like the roller coaster of real estate, right? So what do you do to help your team agents avoid that? Right. Cause like you'll have, I know we, we see it, right? Like Mary has a great month. She puts five under contract and then the next month you've got nothing because you were so focused on the five under contract, you know, and, and stopped making calls and marketing and prospecting. So what, what are some like tactical things that y'all, you know, kind of make sure your team does, or that you like always mentally prepare for to ensure that you have like at least a little bit more steady income? Well, we talk about it constantly, but we're also very, um, we're very systematized and also we only spend our time in our strength zone. 
So okay. once that person went under contract, that's going to go to my admin team. Okay. If you have five pending, they're not really taking any of your time. You're yeah. checking in on, on them, but you're not, you shouldn't be involved in the transaction. In fact, if you are too involved in the transaction, it messes up our processes. <laughs> so we kind of have yeah. that conversation a lot where it's the second you get your hottest prospect under contract, you just lost your hottest prospect. So yeah. you better have another one. And it's just this constant talk. We also really track contacts, appointment okay. set, yep. um, calls made. That's what we talk about the most because, I mean, I can't, I can't help it if five year if your five pending all fall apart, right? That's not yeah. that's not in our control. But I can control what who you're talking to and the people that you're you're running through the pipeline all the time. For sure. Well, and I think that um, with a strong admin team, that is the case, right? Like you're just getting in the way. Right. When you're trying to trying to go over the deal or trying to do things. Um, yeah, we and, have and mistakes and we talk about those mistakes yeah. a lot. Like we just had one happen where they gave information that was the incorrect information. Yeah. For like the deposit check, right? Your escrow check. They told them to make it out to the title company that we yeah. always use. Well, we That's weren't not, at that part yet. Yeah. It was the wrong title. It was not the right thing to do. Don't have that conversation. Yeah. And that's the other, that's, that's another script that you have to learn, which is much easier with a new agent than let's say an experienced agent that comes to the team. Yeah. You know, they, so it's just having the processes in place and, and being really strict on following them. Well, that's, I think just such a work in progress too. I mean, cause like you've had your team now for, for a while. And like, mm-hmm. I know that for us, it was like just figuring out what those processes were, who was taking what, when, you know, and ensuring that we're continuing to, to reevaluate, to make sure that it's the right process. Right. Cause sometimes things change or sometimes things are more efficient done other ways. So, or you make a mistake and you're like, shoot, that wasn't in the checklist. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets sure. added to the checklist. Yeah. Right. So a lot of our things that are in our checklist is because we made a mistake somewhere along the way. That formerly like five step checklist is now like five hundred and fifty three steps. You're like, yeah, it's because we've done a lot of deals. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're like, whoops, should have put that in there. Yeah. So, at what point did Brian come work with you? So, so I joined a team first. I was a buyer's agent. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to take listings, so I did right. that for my first year and a half. I hadn't taken yeah. a listing because I was I had to pass all of them. Yeah. So then after that, and the growth trajectory that they had spoken about. You know, I think that people, when they sit down and talk to you, they mean what they say, but it it doesn't always come to fruition. Like no one, you don't always know how to make that work. So I left the first team. I joined another team. That was six months. That was not the right move. Actually, at that team, I was supposed to be like a recruiter plus an agent. I was like a direct expansion director. Yeah. Long story short. So then after that second team, I realized that. I knew what I wanted it to look like. And I would have stayed on a team forever if I found one that looked the way I wanted it to look, maybe. Yeah. But I really just wanted to control a lot more of it. So it was <laughs> the middle of two, 2018. <laughs> that's that's one of the least surprising things that I, that you could say of like, oh, I couldn't find a team because I just wanted more control. Like that's, anyways, continue. It's a team leader type thing, but I just, I knew that how I wanted it to look and I did not have the decision-making authority to yeah. make it look that way. So yeah. at the end of the day, I finally then had to go start my own team. And okay. it had nothing to do with my own name. It had nothing to do with my own branding. It really didn't. And I think I always think there's teams are made for different reasons. So one, it's ego. And those teams are usually like a team of 20 that are selling 20 houses a year. Or it's made out of necessity or just out of the strength of wanting to be a leader. Yeah. I, I don't hold anything back. It just 
comes out. So, well, that's where, well, that's where when you're like, Oh, I couldn't find a team. That was exactly what I wanted. I'm like, well, duh, because like, you're like such a driver personality <laughs> of anyone that doesn't know Mary. Like I'm sure in the, you know, 20 minutes you've been listening to this podcast, you've kind of seen that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that just, I, know, I didn't me, even answer your question chuckle. yet. Right. Like, it's I'm fine. Just, just continue, continue on. <laughs> so it's right. Show today, 20, Mary. So just- mid 2018, I'm at this point selling 70 homes a year. Yeah. Personally, I'm mostly all listings at this point because okay. what I realized was I could be a lot more efficient with listings. Oh, yeah. And most of my business was coming from for sale by owners and expireds. Okay. Expireds first. I loved expireds. All of a sudden, though, the market got too good and every expired was either crazy or just unmotivated. Yeah, for sure. So I had to switch over to for sale by owners. So that was that was me. I would wake up, get on the phone, call for, for expireds and FISBOs. Now I'm running my own team. Well, you know what? Just because you're a great agent doesn't make you a team leader. That's a whole nother skill. And when I was running, you know, a million miles an hour selling a ton of homes and I realized I had never written my own contract. I had never put a listing in the MLS. I had never done that. Like I always had an admin team, whether they were good or bad. I always had one. You had that resource. You had had that resource. So now I'm like, holy crap. Like I know how to do now I can't stop running because I need to keep running, but now I'm hiring admin. Yeah. So I went through that first year of the Murphy group. I hired four, I went through four admin that year. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was really just, um, and they call it Siegel leadership. You hire someone and then you dump a whole bunch of stuff on them and then you don't stay yeah. around long enough to train them. And I was still, I was still paying for things like the perfect real estate assistant. Hey, go watch this, learn how to be a, an assistant. Yeah. I had paid for a consulting company to help me hire and I still didn't get the right fit, but it was just really, really hard. So getting to Brian, now it's 2019. I had gone through four assistants. I had three buyer's agents and I was still doing the buyer agent thing because that's what they tell you in the red book. If you read Millionaire Real Estate Agent, that's the way it's supposed to look. I knew I was generating so many buyer leads because I could take so many listings. Yeah. Out of 70 houses. Yeah you know, 60 of them were listings. Yeah. The only buyers that I sold, I actually would say this out loud. The only way I'm working with a buyer is if when they call me, they already picked out the house. Okay. (laughs) At that point, that's where I was because I was so inundated with listings that I had, you have to learn to say no to things. So basically now it's 2019. My husband and I are in uh, Jamaica and I can't leave my business. I have you know, I finally have a new admin at the time. It, it actually it was one of my buyer's agents. She was there with me while I made this big mess. And one day I actually said to her, she's still with me now. This is the worst day of my life. I've got to put two listings in the MLS. I've got to do a contract. I've got to prep for a listing. And she was like, I want to do all of that. And I never want to do an open house again. I'm like, well, that's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So that's how she came on. Now we're in Jamaica. And I said to my husband, you know how... Like, I'll say I want to go on vacation or I want to do something. And I say that. And then all of a sudden we, that happens. And I don't even know what airline we're flying on. Yeah, like, I need that to happen in my my business. And I had read Rocket Fuel. If you haven't read that book, um, you know, it talks about the visionary and the integrator. And within yeah. reading that book, that was me and my husband. Okay, I'm ultimate big picture, visionary. I don't know how to put all the details in place. Yeah. So that... First year, year and a half of me building the team was a hot mess. 
That looked like me apologizing all the time. That looked like me paying inspectors to squeeze me in because I never got it done. That looked like me apologizing to the title company for not putting the order in. Yeah. Because I was just such a a mess. So he joined me in um, the end of 2019. Okay. And so what did, what did he do before, right? Like in his, in his previous life and career, what was his like industry or. So he was in insurance. Um, He had like managed an insurance company. He left for a little bit too. When, when um, I finished real estate school, he then decided to go out and be an entrepreneur himself. And um, he opened an insurance agency. Okay. And that didn't work. Us both being entrepreneurs and paying for our own insurance and all of that at once didn't work. So he went back into the corporate world. So he was in the corporate world, you know, working for Allstate Insurance, managing a claims department, and he wasn't happy at all. Yeah. And I wasn't either because it was really hard for us to balance it. So that's what he was doing. Yeah. No, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so what advice, looking back on it now, right? And like, you know, 19, 20, 21, like four or five years later, right? Like looking back on it now of like going to hire, right? Because I think that um, I think that a lot of people in starting a team have a similar situation to what you just said, right? Like they're doing so much business. They don't know which way is up anymore. Like they need someone to help take stuff off their plate, but they don't even know what to take off their plate, right? Mm-hmm. And like, it's just like a little bit of chaos, And so what advice would you give to someone if they were looking to hire, like in either in finding the right person, in what they should delegate, in like just something that may help them make that first hire? So I really think your first hire, which we all will hear a million times over, is you need an admin. And I would say it's okay if you do like a per transaction TC. Yeah. Find a TC company just to get that paperwork off your plate. And then- Trust them, have an expectations meeting with them, but then you have to get out of it. Yeah. Because too many hands in the pot is really what does mess everything up. For sure. You have to, if you're going to delegate, you have to be willing to delegate. And, you know, we joked a bit, and I am a very driver personality, but I'm an amazing delegator. Like, I'm willing to, like, give things away as long as I know that I don't affect the outcome. Yeah. I don't affect the outcome if I'm checking the mortgage commitment. It has to get checked, but I don't have to do it. So it, I would say that first, get a strong process around your your admin. Um, I would also do a VA. I wouldn't spend a ton of money you don't have is what I wouldn't do. The second yeah. thing I wouldn't do is hire an agent. It's so easy to go get a bunch of agents because they yeah. don't cost you any fixed expense. What they a lot cost of time, you is your time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the most, I don't think agents understand. Like our dollar per hour time is so high. Yeah. And sure. I think I understood that. I knew that my most important time was when I was on the phone finding the listing appointment and when I was on that listing appointment. And everything outside of that didn't need to be me. Yeah. And sure. so I don't know if that's a succinct answer. So my first answer is you should be spending all of your time on income generating activities. So everything that's not income generated, income generating is what you leverage. And that's not agents, not yet. And I told you how I didn't work buyers and it wasn't because I didn't like buyers. It's because I knew that I couldn't do both. And my dollar per hour was better spent on listings. For sure. So I let the buyers go. I referred them out to agents on my team or on in the office. In the office, yeah. Yeah, like that's how I had to do it. I never did an open house. If I didn't open house, it was only because I didn't hit my goals. In fact, it was a joke. You're in like my punishing office. yourself. 
It was a punishment. Get, get more business. Fifteenth so of the month protocol. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but if you're not halfway through your goals on the fifteenth of the month, like you have, you have to do something more. Yeah. So for me, it was do an open house. So if you saw me stomping through the office with all these open house signs on the fifteenth of the month, you would know. Yeah. And um, and I didn't do that often because I really didn't want to work. Sun- it wasn't that I didn't like open houses. I love them. I love face to face, but I didn't want to work Sundays. Yeah. So that was that. Um, okay. So I don't know if I even answered your question. No, you did. My you did. Answer admin first. Yeah. Admin first. You're spending all your time on income generating activities. Now it's bringing in too much business that you can handle personally. Then you get agents. Well, and I think part of that also is getting organized, right? And that's where like the admin can help you to like, you're going to have to give them systems and processes. You're going to have to give them, this is how we do things, you know, or they're going to help you to create that. Right. And then at that point, when you're bringing on agents, you're bringing them into something that actually provides value. Um, and, and too often, I mean, that's our first hire was an agent, right? And the the quarter that we hired her was September of 2018, right? And so that last quarter of 2018 was my worst financial quarter ever in real estate, ever, like in all of my quarters, even before when I was licensed on my own, you know, just because like, it was so much time and energy put into that as, instead of prospecting and doing the things that make me money. Um, but we found our same way. Experience. Yeah, we same experience. The end of 2019, when I was going through that mess of hiring all these admin, bringing on agents, I realized that it was the exact same thing. I had made less money in that fourth quarter. Yeah. I was spending all this time mentoring agents who were selling nothing. And it was it was taking all of my time away. And that's what you really yeah. have to be cognizant of because – there's no, a solo agent has the highest percentage of their income, right? Like you're like at like a 70% profitability. Yeah. When you get to build a team, like you just watch your profitability go down. So you have to increase the amount of commission coming in in order for it to make sense. Otherwise you build a team and you just lost money. Yeah. Um, And that's the thing I think too, that people don't realize as they're building a team, you need to know what your cost per transaction is, right? So Mary was saying like, you know, most of your business came from listings, right? So it's like at that point, I'm sure you had maybe a decent idea of what they cost, right? But then also like how much time and what are you leveraging out for buyers and what's the cost for a buyer transaction? Because like, yeah, you know, you're, you're going to have a transaction coordinator. You're going to have other things. So like those all also cost money. Um, so just figuring that out to make sure you're profitable um, mm-hmm. from the beginning, as opposed to then having to go back to your agents, you know, six months or 12 months down the road to be like, hey, um, we've got to change splits because I'm not making any money. So. And also don't do it by yourself. Like don't recreate the wheel. I sit down with team leaders sometimes and they tell me things like their splits and their expenses. And yeah. it was actually last week that I was sitting with one and he he pays for their real estate school and their MLS and all before the agents, even on his team, he's in for $2,000. And then his splits are so high. And he's like, I'm just a giver. I'm like, (laughs) right. But like, you have to, you have to make money. Like this is, you can't, it doesn't run this way. And then when you find out later and now all of a sudden you have to go back to them and be like, Hey, that 90, 10 that we're on with me spending five grand a month on Zillow isn't working. So, I think a lot of times people that are like that came from a team, right? And they may not like the more traditional team splits or they may like, you know, they left because they had a personality. They were like, I want to do this on my own or I want to build this or I want whatever vision I want. And like, they're like, I hated the split there. So I want to give more. But it's like, they didn't realize all of the things that were on 
you know, the team side of the 50%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that like, you know, we interview a lot of people that want to join the team. And for for some, right, splits are a big hang up. And I'm like, you know, we have agents that are making 100 or 200K a year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, could they make that on their own? Yeah, maybe they could or more, right? Or double that. But these are all the things that you have to look at. So like, do you want, you know, your number on your 1099 or do you want a, you know, 100% split? Like, you've got to figure that's, out what what's more important to you. That's so valuable. And I hear people all the time talk about like their flat fee brokerage or whatever it is yeah. that they want to talk about or their team with a high split. It's all about the value. And so we're very transparent with our team. Yeah, We're very transparent. And the leads are earned. The referrals are earned as well, sure. but we're very transparent on what it costs. So yes, you're on a 50-50 split, but let's break down your 50 and my 50. Yeah. Right. And talk about who acts like you have no expenses. Yeah. You pretty much have to keep your license active. <laughs> right. And then everything yeah. else comes out of us and you wouldn't have, where did those opportunities come from? For sure. Yeah. You were on a 50-50 split. And, you know, I recently had an agent sit down with a broker who ran the numbers and was like, if you weren't on her team, you're giving away your hard-earned money. This is what it would have looked like. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what well, did you tell them where all those opportunities came from? Yeah. Right. Would you have had them? So it's very, it's it's a very hard conversation. But also, I want to go back for a minute and talk about how I left the teams in order to create my own. Yeah, for sure. And it sounded like it was my own way. It wasn't. You know why I left? Was because I spent so much time studying how the top teams ran. Like I was obsessed with it. Yeah. And you'll realize that most teams don't run the way those top teams run. They're very, very different. So I realized that. So what would you say um, was like a differentiating factor or what was like, you know, when you were realizing that where you were or where like some of the other places you were interviewing, you're like, this just isn't the right fit. This isn't what I want. Like what was like one of those key things or like, was it a, was it a list of things or was it, was there like a couple things that you could pinpoint that you're like, no, this is what I want. Does that make sense? Um, you no, know, I guess. I mean, I was really blessed. So I wouldn't say anything negative about my experiences. I think I'd hit a ceiling. One of the things was, I think as you start to increase your leadership lead, you can actually outgrow your leaders. So I think that's kind of what it was, was that I was spending so much time. And I hired my first coach my first year in. I was on a team. Yeah. And so I was being coached. I was going to events. I was reading. I mean, I don't even know how many books I read my first couple of years, even now, yeah. because I see my shelf. Like, I know it's all full. It's, it, I don't, I read there. a ton. So I think that what I realized was that there was just a better way to do it. I also, my first team I left, I didn't agree with being only a buyer's agent. Yeah. I had no opportunity to ever grow past that. Yeah. I also think that certain teams, if you join them, as you do increase your leadership lid, you, and that's from, um, the five levels of leadership, John Maxwell. So that's okay. where, so John Maxwell, as you increase that, you start to surpass your leader and they don't always like it. So you actually start to have this like, like yeah. disconnect. Yeah. And, friction, and so yeah. if there was one thing, I would say there wasn't one thing, but I would, I knew how I wanted it to look and I knew how it should look for agents. Yeah. And for me now, it's all with being in your strength zone. And for not sure. everyone's going to be the right fit for my team. They're not all going to like it. They're not going to love the accountability. In yeah. fact, I deal with that all the time, but um, they're out there. Accountability is love. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of all of the books behind you, what what's a book or three? I don't have to you know pigeonhole you into one, but like what's a book or, or a few books that you would recommend every agent read? So as a brand new agent, I always would 
they read these two. It's fanatical prospecting. And it's not, that's not just phone prospecting. If you're listening to this and you're like, hell no, I'm never calling a FISBO. You don't have to. Yeah. But that's just the mindset around prospecting and building your pipeline and how you have to like continuously build your pipeline. So that's the number one book that I think every agent should read. Um, I also really love go for no. I think that one of the hardest thing as a new agent is dealing with the rejection that we face every day and understanding one, they're not rejecting us. Right. But two, understanding that each time you get rejected, you're getting close to someone who's going to want your help. Mm -hmm. So those are the two that I would definitely say to read. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, you could read mindset by Carol Dweck. That's another one that I really love. It's just strengthening that, that muscle. Yeah. Those are the three. Read those three. And then come like back it. to me because I can give you two million more. I, I have a hard time. I'm going to hang up and be like, those aren't the three. There's another one. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, I, those are all good. Um, I've read Fanatical Prospecting, but I haven't read the other two. Um, Carol Dweck's Mindset one's been on my list for a while. Uh, it's just hard. Like I have – I recently had a ton of books over here, but we're getting ready to move what was my home office into the office office and a whole bunch of stuff. So I just packed up all my stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, those are, those are on my list. And Audible is great. Certain books are great on Audible. Fanatical prospecting is fantastic on Audible. Yeah. Um, some of them are not. So actually I tend to say too, if it's not being read by the author or it's an older book, like don't listen to Think and Grow Rich on Audible. Like you'll crash your car while you're driving because it's so boring on Audible, you know, but, um, you just should be filling your brain with stuff. If it's podcasts, whatever. Yeah. One that I found was hard to listen to on Audible and actually had to buy the book was Who, Not How. Agreed. Because I listen to them slightly faster. Like I, I do like 1.25 or 1.5, depending on the author. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and it, like I felt like I was listening to like a Dr. Seuss, like cat in the hat, like, you know, hop on pop, like type thing. Cause there was just like Who, Not How are both very like short, similar, similarly sounding words. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you on that. There are some that are not good audible books. <laughs> I would also say not to rush to read. I feel like a lot of times I saw someone post the other day, like read a hundred books last year. I'm like, did you retain a hundred books? Like, so for me, retention is very important. And also once I get the message, I'm okay. Not finishing the book. <laughs> I really am. Like if I get the message and now I'm realizing that it's just repetitive and now I might go to the end, read it. And I'm like, all right, got it. That was great. I don't need to read the rest of it. So it's Okay. Um, one more though, Katie, if you haven't read this, you have to read it. It's called the gap in the gain by Dan Sullivan. Yeah. Have you read that one? I have it. I know that I have it, but I'm not sure if it's, it's definitely been cracked, but I don't know if I've finished it. Oh, that one. I really love that one. Especially if you're a high performer or you're hard on yourself. If you're someone who sets big goals and is always kind of hard on yourself, which I am that way. Um, that book was really powerful for me. I feel like real estate's a tough um, comparison world, right? Because I think that like in real estate, um, you know, you you do how many ever sales or you sell how many ever millions of dollars or whatever. And it's like, all right, so we're just going to double it for next year. We're just going to, we're just going to, you know, increase it by 50% or whatever it is. It's like the bar is always continually moving. And so one of the things that we did this year, um, especially in like, you know, we're having a kid and like whatever was like, like financially what do we want right mm-hmm. and like what does that look like and what does the team look like to achieve that 
right? And then what are our other financial goals and other aspects of our life? Because like, you know, when you're just like, oh, we want to gross 5 million commissions. It's like, well, what does that even mean? Like, you know, so like we really took the time to think about it to be like, we don't need to be a team of 50 agents and we don't need to do this and we don't need to do that. Like we just see everyone else doing that on all of these coaching programs and Facebook groups and stuff. Um, so my advice out there, if you're listening to this is like, you know, pick your goals and stick to your goals, not like what you think your goals should be because of everyone else. It's just my. Yeah. Just I mean, comparison is, comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. I really believe that. And so don't compare yourself to other people. I think you really do have to figure out what it is that's important to you and why. Yeah. In fact, on Friday, we did um, our quarterly team meeting, which is called Go to the Board. It's a okay. John Sheplak framework. And when you, what each agent does is they go up and they say that what the goal of number of houses they want to hit is. Okay. It's not about the, the number of houses. Of course, they have to break into the number of houses based on the income. Yeah. But the power of that meeting is what will it mean if you hit that? Yeah. What will that do for your life? What will your life look like? And what will it look like if you don't? And so it's really getting to that. Like, I want to have 5 million GCI. What does that mean? Yeah. If you spend 400 and like $4 million and $999,000 to hit 5 million, like you hit the goal. But like, work. yeah. And, and we see that with teams. I was saying, which is a lot of teams out there. <laughs> it really is. Like they're just a hundred, they're just not profitable. So yeah. it really has to be, you know, you have to have, I hate to say the why around it because I I actually really hate that question. And I don't know if we have time, but I'm going to tell you why really quick. I have to do it. And like for, when I first got into real estate, the team leader at the time asked me, what's your Why? Why? And I was probably six months in and I remember being like, you know, like, why do you want to sell so many houses? Why do you want to hit a hundred thousand? I'm like, you know, I just, I know I can do it. I know I can be the best at this. I want to be so good at it that I'm teaching others to do it. I want to speak on stages. I want to, and I had all these visions and he looked at me and was like, don't you have kids? And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. My kids, they're my why. And so after that, whenever anyone would say, what's your why? Like, I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, I just sounded like a total egomaniac. I was supposed to say my kids. And so then for years after that, when anyone would ever say, Mary, what's your why? I would say my children and my family. And it didn't take till later that I realized I, I answered correctly the first time. My kids were always going to eat. They were always going to be fed. They were always going to be taken care of. They weren't the reason why I had to get this to this level of success. That reason I told him was. So now I understand that question more, but I don't like yeah. that question because everyone's just like my kids. I'm like, great. But like, if, do you need to sell a hundred houses to feed your kids? Well, I mean, and I think that it's one of those things like I, I, I feel similarly, um, you know, because you sit down in like these groups at like a, say like a, an office meeting or like a coaching program thing. And it's like, you know, they put on the inspirational music and everyone's writing down how much they love their family and whatever. But it's like, I feel like all of that's also kind of a given, right. Mm -hmm. And the like, you know, like, yeah, I'm here to like be able to provide a better future for my children and to provide a good life for me and my spouse and like, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and I think that sometimes people feel like, yeah, like maybe it's egotistical or maybe it's whatever, but like, you should also have your personal goals of the things that you want to reach, right? Right. And I think a lot of people are just afraid to say that because it's like the touchy-feely answer is, you know, like, oh, I just want to, like, create a future for, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I just, like, will never forget that meeting because I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, that's so embarrassing. But, yeah, I just think that you really have to understand. So when you set a goal, you have to know what it will look like if you hit it. Yeah. 
And when you have that personal connection to it, like I had, you know, one of my team members, his wife is working 60 hours a week and they have two babies and he's home most of the time. She wants to be home and he hates it. Yeah. So if he hits his goals, she can go part time and he could be the breadwinner again, which is what he wants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a huge why. So now I can hold him accountable to that. And that's really all that it comes down to, right? Is like, what's your life going to look like if you do this, right? Mm -hmm. And is this, if this is truly what you want when you're not doing the things that you should be doing, right? That where that accountability can come in, right? So whether it's speaking on stage and selling a hundred homes because you know you can do it or, you know, providing for your family or your, you know, your wife being able to, to stop working or whatever it is, like it just, you know, that's your personal thing. And I mean, you know. It's just like a seller or buyer, right? So like when we're working with buyers and sellers, we got to know why. Like the buyer, why why do you want to buy by August? Well, because by August, if I don't, I have to re-sign my lease, right? So in July, when they're not making decisions and they're about to blow (laughs) up a whole transaction because of a, you know, cracked signing or something, (laughs) you can then go back to them and say, okay, great. So then are we then going to be okay with re-signing the lease? Yeah, for sure. So that's the same way with, with, I feel with agents. So it's just understanding why people do something because what is it? They say um, the heart chooses and the mind justifies. So you have to know why, and then you help them figure it out. For sure. Um, Okay. I'm going to hit you with one last question. Okay. If it was your last meal on earth, what would you eat? My last meal on earth, what would I eat? I'm a good old Italian girl. I'm eating spaghetti. With a side of French fries. Oh, <laughs> Just give me all, all the right. carbs. All right. That's a that's a interesting side dish to apply. Yeah, I wouldn't pasta. typically eat them together, but this is the last meal, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm spaghetti and french fries. Okay. Is that a homemade spaghetti or like a family recipe? Or is that a like there's a specific restaurant you go to in Jersey? Um, that would be homemade. That would be my yeah. mom. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's Perfect. It. What are you eating? I would I need to know now. Uh probably steak and sushi. Steak and soup. That's that's actually more weird than spaghetti and French fries. Well, those are my two favorite like things, um, <laughs> which has been really terrible being pregnant because like you can't eat like raw fish or you know undercooked meat, and uh, so it's been a rough rough couple months here. So now you're so. eating like California rolls and like well done steak. <sighs> yeah, it's well. I've I've had a couple steaks and then I basically about five months, five and a half months into my pregnancy was just like I'm not eating steak again. Like unless it's in like a stir fry or something where it has a bunch of stuff on it. But like, you know how you go to a steakhouse and you get like a really good steak. All it has is salt and pepper on it. And like, that's yes. perfect. Well, it's not perfect when it's like well done. So yeah, um, yeah. I've just basically made the decision that like I'll go and eat like salmon or chicken or whatever and reconvene on the steak post post child. So it's <laughs> awesome. Um, this was so fun. Thank you so much for joining. Okay, so you work in South Jersey, right? Like across from Philly area. Yes, I work. Yeah, Southern New Jersey. It's right by Philly. It's Cherry Hill and um, like Burlington, Camden counties is where I am. Okay, awesome. So if someone were trying to get in touch with you or find you on social media, what's the best place? Where's the best place for them to go? Um, Instagram or Facebook. You can find me on either one. All right, perfect. Um, Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. And I will talk to you soon. Awesome.